Amen. All right. Well, Colossians chapter number one is where we're going to be tonight. Colossians chapter one. And uh, one verse is all uh, that we're going to uh, be studying and looking looking at. Uh, of course, there'll be others as we go through the message tonight, but, uh, but one in particular that we're going to be zeroing in on and focusing on. So uh, Colossians chapter one, and as, if you wouldn't mind standing one more time, I know we've done a little bit of Standing and sitting recently, but uh, we'll stand one more time, read this, pray, and then get into our message for tonight. Colossians 1 and verse 23. This is the only verse we're going to read tonight to start with, and we'll look at others as we go, go along, but this will be the main one that we're going to focus on. Colossians 1, 23, the Bible says this, If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And let's pray one more time. Lord, thank you for the service thus far, and uh, again, for all that you've already done. Now I pray that you bless the reading and the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So as we uh, have been going through this uh, series, we've looked at Um, The fact that Paul uh, brings up some really important attributes of who Christ is um, to counterbalance some of the influence that was going on in the church there at Colossae, at least that he heard about and certainly in the area of Colossae. Um, And so he highlights who Christ is, and he takes some time in this first chapter to detail the character of Jesus Christ. And uh, he tells us, and, and, and just by way of review, because we already went through all of these, but really quickly here by way of review, we saw in verse number 15 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Uh, we saw that in this, he's also the firstborn of every creature. In verse number 16, it tells us that Jesus is the creator. Um, it says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Uh, so Jesus is the creator. We saw that Jesus is uh, eternal. Um, we see that uh, in verse number 17, it says, and he is before all things. And then Jesus is the sustainer of all things in verse 17. By him, all things consist. Um, and then we see in verse number 18 that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. So he's the head of the church. Jesus is the beginning beginning, of course, of the church, but also of creation. And then we saw that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead in verse number 18 as well. And uh, then in verse number 19, we saw that Jesus is fully God. He is, uh, it says, in him should all the fullness dwell. And that is a reference to the deity of Jesus Christ. And then also in verse number 18, Uh, we learn that Jesus should be preeminent in every area, uh, in our lives and in our church and and all of that. And so in verses 15 through 19, which I just kind of really briefly went through, Paul focuses on who Jesus is. Then in verses 20 through 22, which last Sunday we took some time to go through, uh, Paul focuses on what Jesus did for us. So there is an emphasis on who Jesus is, And then what Jesus did, both are important. Who Jesus is, and then what Jesus did. 
And there is an emphasis in the first part on the deity of Christ. And then there is an emphasis in verses 20 through 22 on the death of Christ. In verse number 20 says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. And uh, so uh, we see him in the first section at creation as the creator. And then we see him on the cross at Calvary. Uh, And so when we really get a hold of who he is and what he has done for us, it then should propel us, it then should motivate us and compel us to have three very important responses to who Jesus is and to what Jesus did for us. What are those responses? Well, we find those responses here in verse number 23, and we'll go through these very quickly tonight because I realize there's probably some more Mother's Day activities and festivities that uh, tonight holds. So I do want to try to get through this quickly. Um, And uh, so what are these three responses, though, that we should have to who Jesus is and to what Jesus did? Well, first one here is uh, the first response is to be steadfast in the faith. And verse 23 begins with, If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Now, this verse starts with the word if. And when you kind of work, work your way through this passage, uh, in context here, um, it says here in verse 21, um, uh, well, verse 20, it says, um, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. And then in verse 21, it says, yet now hath he reconciled and in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and re- unreprovable in his sight, if ye continue in the faith. And, it, and it, at first glance, it seems as if this word if means we must be steadfast in the faith in order to be reconciled. He said, now hath you reconciled And then on it goes, if you continue in the faith. So it's almost like a condition. It's almost as if um, this this gives the concept of work-based salvation or the idea that we can lose our salvation if we we aren't steadfast in the faith or if we don't continue. And so at first glance, that as you're reading through this, you might think, well, wait a minute. I I thought once we're saved, we're always saved, and I always... And I thought that we don't need to do anything to earn our salvation or keep our salvation. And if you think that, then you are correct. Because that is the biblical truth here. And, and so um, let, me, let me just kind of uh, remind us what the Bible says about salvation and, and those who are saved. In John chapter 10, in verse 27, it says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life if they continue in the faith. For those who remember John chapter 10, that little last part is not in there. Okay, uh, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, is the phrase that follows that. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So when Jesus gives us eternal life, it's a done deal. It's a settled fact. Romans 8, verse 38, Paul says this, For I am persuaded that neither death, 
nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Aren't you thankful for that truth? That once we're saved, we are always saved. Now the truth is, we're not saved by continuing in the faith. Okay? To be clear, we're not saved if we continue in the faith, if we are steadfast in the faith. But we are to continue in the faith because we are saved. And thus give evidence to the fact that we are indeed followers of Christ and believers of the Lord Jesus. And so that's really what he's saying here is that, look, since you are saved, uh, then we now need to be steadfast. We are to continue in the faith, grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. And of course, that's our theme for this year here at Cornerstone Baptist Church is to continue to be faithful, to be steadfast in the faith. Now, how do we, how are we uh, to be steadfast in the faith? How are we able to accomplish that? Well, it gives us uh, three uh, kind of concepts here in verse 23. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled and be not moved away. Let's look at these very quickly here. First of all, we are to be Steadfast by being strong, by being strong, by being grounded. Uh, the word uh, grounded here gives the idea of on firm foundation, firmly established. As a tree is, uh, whose roots strike deep and extend afar. The meaning is that his love should be as firm in our hearts as a tree is in the soil whose roots strike deep into the earth. Why? Because the wind... The winds and the storms of life are coming. And uh, here in Oklahoma, if a tree does not have deep roots, good luck. <laughs> uh, that's not gonna, it's not going to last long because uh, there are some serious winds that come uh, sweeping over the plains. All right. And so um, the same thing is true in our Christian lives. There are going to be storms that come along the way for sure. And so we need to have a firm foundation. We need to be grounded. And if we're going to continue, if we're going to be steadfast in the faith, we've got to be grounded. Our roots have to be going deep and going afar. Um, so we need to be uh, developing these roots. And uh, later in the, in the book of Colossians, in verse number seven of chapter two, it says, rooted and built up in him. So we're to uh, develop some deep roots in our Christian life to where we know the truth and we're committed to the truth and we're convinced of the truth. So how are we to be uh, steadfast to the faith? Well, we've got to be strong. We've got to be grounded. Uh, secondly here, another word is the word settled. Uh, we are to be by being settled. And the, work, the Greek word for this really, again, means firm as a building that is founded upon a rock. It's immovable. It's, in other words, it's settled in my mind. It's settled in my heart. And I'm not changing. And, uh, you know, I want to have an open heart to the Word and to the Lord. But as far as what the Word says, it's settled in my heart. This is what is truth. And that's how we're going to uh, be able to be steadfast and continue on. Um, by being settled. By being strong. And then thirdly, by being stable. In verse number 23, uh, he says, if he continue the faith grounded and settled, and it says, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. 
Be not moved away. Now, the, the town of Colossae was located in a region known for earthquakes. And uh, how, how many of you been through, like, a pretty serious earthquake? Would you raise your hand? Okay, a lot of us have. And uh, we were from California. We, we experienced many an earthquake. Um, and uh, they're, they're, not, they're not real fun because um, you just wonder, is this going to get worse? Is there going to be a lot of aftershocks? And many times there are aftershocks, and sometimes the aftershocks are worse than the original one. And it just, it, it gets scary. Um, but here, the words moved away um, give the idea of earthquake stricken. And so Paul was in essence saying, look, if you're truly saved and built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, then you will continue in the faith and that nothing will move you. He has saved you. That's a done deal. And as a result, you're going to be steadfast. A couple weeks ago, I quoted this verse, uh, Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, as Paul was writing to the uh, pastors there at Ephesus, and he said, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Uh, we need to have this resolve and this uh, this stability in our lives that nothing's going to move us or shake us from what we believe. And uh, this is what he was telling the church at Colossae. Look, continue in the faith. Uh, don't, be, don't be tempted to move away for one thing or another. In other words, don't be moved uh, in that day by the arts of philosophy or by the cults that existed in that day. And there are cults that exist in our day where you listen to them and and they're using some of the same verbiage that we are, and it almost sounds like they're right. But uh, the problem is the definitions that they have are not right, and not the same definitions that we have for those same words. So don't be moved by the arts of philosophy, and don't be moved by the allurements of sin. And there are a lot of things that would uh, draw our attention away from what's right, for sure. And the devil will use either one. Maybe he'll use the cunning words of a friend at work who tries to get you to come join their particular cult. But he may even use um, your cell phone to get you off course and to tempt you above that which you are able. So don't be moved by the arts of philosophy and the allurements of sin. Be stable. And just to continue and to be steadfast in the faith, I was looking here at the diary of John Wesley. And uh, there's some entries in his diary that are interesting. Sometimes we aren't treated very nicely for doing what's right. Uh, Maybe at work, maybe even with our own family. And it's not encouraging. Here's some of the entries that he had in his diary on Sunday, May 5th, a.m. in the morning. Preached in St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. That's encouraging. Sunday, p.m., May 5th, preached in St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday morning, May 12th, the next week. In the morning, preached in St. Jude's. 
can't go back there either. In the evening of, or I'm sorry, Sunday morning, May 19th, preached in St. Somebody Else's, deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., May 19th, preached on street, kicked off street. Sunday a.m., I mean, this is not going well. Sunday a.m., May 26th, preached in Meadow, chased out of Meadow as bull was turned loose during service. (laughs) I really hope that no one decides to do that this evening and releases a bull on me. Uh, Sunday a.m., June 2nd, preached out at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. So this guy is not being treated well. He's trying to do what's right, trying to serve the Lord, and he gets uh, mistreated. Well, then Sunday p.m., June 2nd, afternoon, preached in a pasture, and 10,000 people came out to hear me. So I realize that there's going to be times where it's going to be like, man, I just feel like quitting. I just feel like throwing in the towel and calling it quits. But uh, had he done that, before that Sunday afternoon of June 2nd. He wouldn't have had the opportunity to preach to 10,000 people. So you don't know what blessing awaits you if you just continue and be steadfast in the faith. Postage stamps are getting more expensive, but at least they have one attribute that most of us could emulate. They stick to one thing until they get there. And I want to encourage us to stick to the faith until we get to that uh, beautiful shore that we sang about at the beginning of the service. Let's be steadfast in the faith because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has done. Uh, the memory verse that a few of you quoted this evening, and a couple did this morning, it says, what does it say again? Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. So, yes, we are to uh, hold fast our profession and to be steadfast without wavering. Why? Well, because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has done. Okay? So, first, uh, the first response is to be steadfast in the faith. But the second response in this verse is this, to be spreading the gospel. Be spreading the gospel. In verse 23, he says this, If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. This is a curious statement that Paul makes here. Did, in fact, the gospel get preached to literally every creature under heaven at that time? I don't know that that's totally what he meant here. I believe more that he meant that the gospel was now being preached to not just the Jews, but now to the Gentiles, and that anyone could be saved, and that it had reached the known world at that time. Whether everybody had actually heard the gospel, I, 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 I don't think so at that point. But he was basically saying that now, whereas before the Jews uh, were only being able to hear the gospel, now the, it is being spread to the Gentiles and it's being spread around the world, to the known world. And remember that Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, he commanded that these early believers would teach all nations to preach the gospel to, there's these, this phrase here, every creature, and to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. 
As Paul writes this epistle of Colossians, 30 years have passed since the command to spread the gospel. Well, what happened? Well, the gospel came to Colossae in verse 23. It says, which ye have heard. The gospel came to Colossae. And remember at the beginning of this series, we mentioned how it happened. When he was there in Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul was and instructing these, these pastors. One of them uh, likely heard that and came back to his hometown, Colossae, to uh, be a, a preacher of the gospel. And uh, we know his name here, Epaphras, and uh, came back and, and began to, to preach the gospel to this church family. So the gospel came to Colossae, and it got spread around to the known world. Well, since then, uh, and kind of fast forward and, and look at the time between when Paul wrote the book of Colossae to now, we've had missionaries who have dedicated their lives to spreading the gospel in foreign lands. Many who sacrificed literally everything to see that others would hear the truth. They sacrificed their comfort, their luxury, their money, their family, and even their very lives to make sure others heard the gospel. Now, I'm not necessarily tonight advocating that we neglect our families and biblical responsibilities like some have done in the past for getting the gospel out. Um, and to be honest, there are some who have said, you know what? I've got to preach the gospel, and it doesn't really matter what my family needs. That's not what I'm advocating tonight. That's not who I want to be, and that's not who I want our church, uh, those in our church to be like. Yes, we have a responsibility to get the gospel out into our world, uh, but we cannot neglect our, our, our other responsibilities. But we, we can't go to the other extreme as well and uh, focus so much on our families and our own little world that we forget the needs of the world and neglect the priority of the Christian life of getting the gospel out. A reminder that the Christian life can be summed up in two major priorities, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, all thy mind. And then the second one is to love thy neighbors, thyself. And the greatest way we can show love for our neighbors is by telling them the truth of the gospel. Whenever you were, if you were to ask my wife what she wants for a special occasion, a birthday or whatever, um, usually her response is this, I want a clean house and obedient children. In that order. <laughs> if we don't get obedient children, that's okay, but as long as I have a clean house, all is well. Uh, no, not necessarily in that order, but she usually does, it say, does say it that way. Well, this year for Mother's Day... Uh, the kids and I hired a cleaning lady to come and do a deep clean of our home. First time we've ever done that since we've been here in Oklahoma, so happy Mother's Day. Um, she came and did that yesterday, and, and uh, her and her mom did, um, this lady and her mom, and uh, did a great job. So um, we hired out this job that we didn't want to do ourselves. Like, why didn't you guys just do it yourself, you lazy bums? Um, yeah, I know, we are kind of, uh, but they actually did a better job than we would have ever done, and uh, we were a little busy yesterday too, so anyway, we, we do that here in America, don't we? We hire out someone to do things that we would rather not do ourselves. We hire out someone to take care of our pool. We outsource our yard maintenance. Some even hire out cleaning up after their pets. And uh, Mark, don't get any ideas. You've got to continue doing that, my friend. 
And now in recent years, we can even hire someone for just a few bucks to deliver Chick-fil-A uh, right to our front door. And uh, I was thinking about Seth recently, since his graduation is coming up soon. And I was reminded when he was uh, maybe seven or eight years old, and uh, we would go to grocery stores, and, and he would, you know, in the grocery store line, you know, they have all those impulse items, and he would point to, he and Luke would point to, hey, can we get a candy bar? Can we get a sucker? Can we get... And I'd be like, no, 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 no. And then finally I would just say, you know what, you guys, if you want to get that, you need to get yourself a job. And I, and I would kind of keep joking with them, and, and I would just tell these little kids, you guys need to get a job. Get a job. <laughs> and so I'm going around talking about it. And then finally one night um, he was saying, he, we were at the grocery store, and, and uh, we, we finished checking out, and I did my normal get a job because he was asking for something. I said, get a job. And then, and then he looked at me and said, Dad, how can I get a job when I'm only seven years old? I was like, oh, well, I mean, it was kind of more of just a joke. And, but, but, then he, but he looked at me really sincere, like, how can I get a job? What can I do? I'm only seven. Can I get hired on anywhere? Because I do want to have my own money to buy candy bars. <laughs> so... I got to thinking, and I'm like, oh boy, I, he kind of, I put myself in this spot uh, by goofing off with him and telling him to get a job. So I began to think, you know what? Actually, there is something probably that we could do here, um, because every, every, I think, Tuesday night back when we lived in California, um, we had to roll the garbage cans out from the garage or behind the gate and take them to the street for the uh, trash guy to come by and pick them up. And I said, maybe you could go around to our little neighborhood, our street, and, and offer to do that for people on Tuesday night, and uh, for $1 a week. And so he and I went around the neighborhood, and, and we knocked on doors, and, and uh, he, we, I said, you got to do all the talking. I'll be there so that it's you know, not weird to have just this little kid here but, uh, by himself, but I'll be here, but I, I want you to do the talking. You're going to have to do this. And so he knocks on the doors, and this little, you know, little kid, hi, I'm one of your neighbors, and I was wondering if you would like to hire me to bring your trash can out from your garage or from behind the gate to the street on Tuesday night, and then bring it back on Wednesday after it gets taken, um, it gets empty for $1 a week. And some, some are like, huh, what? I don't really understand what you're talking about. And they just kind of let, they kind of, dismissed us. But then there was a couple who said, you know what, that would be a blessing. That would be great. I'd love to give you a dollar a week to do that. And so, uh, so Seth did that. And, 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 and he was faithful on it. And sometimes I had to help him because it was full and it was too heavy for Seth. And I'm like, I better get a portion of that dollar, man. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he did that. And uh, you know, tried to tried to help him earn some money, and he did. He got he got paid, you know, a dollar, two, couple, three dollars a week for doing that for two or three of the neighbors. I mean, so th- this is something we like to do here in America. We like to hire things out to so that our lives are easier. Um, but here's the deal: in our, in our quest to outsource chores that we would rather not do, we as Christians need to realize that spreading the gospel is not something we can totally outsource. That's not one thing we can hire out. 
now, the truth of the matter is, we can't be, we can't all be in every country of the world at the same time preaching the gospel. We are called to do that. We are to reach the uttermost parts of the earth. And how can we do that? Well, we can't exactly be omnipresent. That's the Lord's uh, attribute that we do not have. Uh, here's how we can do it. We can financially and prayerfully support missionaries who do that for us and do that with us. Uh, I can't be in Cambodia tonight, but the Rupals can be. And we can support and pray for them. I can't be in the Philippines tonight, but uh, the Trimbles can be. And we can uh, financially and prayerfully support them so that they can continue to get the gospel out there. I can't be in Nepal tonight, but the Travis family can be. I can't be in, the, in Brazil, but, uh, uh, but uh, Johnson's, uh, my brother from another mother, um, he can be. And they can be. Uh, we can't be in Greece tonight, but the Damascus can be. We can't be in Germany tonight, but the McCollums can be. And on it goes. So that part of it we can, in, in a sense, outsource. But what about reaching our own Jerusalem? That part, we can't pay someone to do it. And those who might be thinking, well, Pastor, isn't that why you get paid? I mean, isn't that why you get a salary? So that you can go and reach this community so that I can watch the prices right. And so that I can stay up with all my TV shows and um, stay engaged with all my extracurricular activities. Because I'm outsourcing that to you. And uh, Brother Blake and Brother Jacob and, and these guys, they're going to do it. No. <clears throat> You see, it is all of our responsibility to get the gospel to our own Jerusalem. Every person in our church has a biblical responsibility to spread the gospel. And nobody can say, well, that doesn't apply to me. Uh, it applies to you. If you are a believer in Christ, it applies to you. And you can't uh, deny that. You can't outsource it. You can't hire some kid to do it for you. Hey, Here's a here. I bought 25. I took 25 a stack of 25 flyers from the table. And uh, here's here's three dollars. You go put them out this week. Look, this isn't a money making thing anyway. This isn't a business. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying to get the gospel out. We're trying to fulfill the Great Commission. And, and here's the deal. Why wouldn't we want to? Why wouldn't we want to get the gospel out there? When you, when you take a moment to realize just who Jesus really is and what He's done for us, how could we not make it our passion to tell others about Him? Think about the woman at the well. As she, was, uh, she came to realize who Jesus really was, and once she did, she, just, she dropped her water pot. She forgot why she was even there at the well to begin with. She dropped her water pot and went back to the city and, and told all the people there about Jesus and who he was. And here's what happened there. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. See, she got passionate about it once she realized who Jesus was. And look, she didn't even, this is before the cross. This is before the blood of Jesus that was shed for, for, for us. We know about that. So again, how much more passionate should we be about getting the message out there? The Apostle Peter, as he realized who 
Jesus really was and what Jesus had done for him. He couldn't help but stand up on the day of Pentecost and said, and preach what Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Uh, he had a passion for it. The Apostle Paul, too, once he came to the realization of who Christ really was and what Christ had really did for him, he, he dedicated the rest of his days to getting the gospel out there. So our response to Jesus should include us being steadfast in the faith. And it should include us spreading the gospel. And the third response here in this verse is that we should be serving the Lord. Verse 23, he continues on, If ye continue in the faith, grounded, settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, uh, um, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So Paul here said that he was made a minister of the gospel. Once Paul understood who Jesus really was and is and what he had done, he became a servant of God, a minister of the gospel. C.T. Studd said this, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Now when he says, uh, I, I am made a minister, uh, this word minister is not a title. And now, I know in our culture, you know, a minister is kind of like this prestigious title, perhaps, or a, a title of honor, like, oh, you know, where, where's the minister at? Are you the minister? Hi. I remember when I was in um, just starting to serve there at uh, Liberty Baptist Church in, in Newport Beach, um, one of the uh, opportunities that came up was to preach in a rest home uh, once, a, once a month on Wednesday afternoons at uh, Regent's Point in Irvine. And uh, we got to, there was two, there was two sections, uh, one that was more of an assisted living type scenario. And then, and then I, you would preach for about 30 minutes there, have a little service there, and then you'd walk over to the other side of the campus there. And then there would, this was a little more of the nursing home side of things where people would, you know, uh, come in and uh, on, on wheelchairs and, and uh, you know, need full care. Whereas the first one, uh, there would, they would, uh, you know, be able to walk in on their, on, by themselves and it was more of an assisted living scenario. And I remember in the, in the second one, there was always this nurse that worked there and, and she would always uh, lead the singing and I was thankful for her leading the singing because in the other one, I had to lead the singing. And that is a scary thing. And here I am, this 23, 4, 5-year-old uh, kid, and, uh, and, and then I go to this next one, and this, this nurse that leads the singing, she gets done singing a couple songs, and then she says, and now we have Reverend Eric Johnson. I'm like, I'm just 20, like 24 years old. I'm not a reverend. And, and, and you know, I, I don't ever want to be called Reverend. And I understand that's kind of a title for those in the ministry, and, and that's, why I, that's, that's how I took it, you know. And, uh, but she would always say, Reverend Eric Johnson is going to come at this time. I'd come, <laughs> like, I'm not a reverend, but okay. And uh, here, here's the deal. Paul wasn't kind of going saying, I'm a minister, and you need to, you know, respect me. No, he, the word minister here really means servant, it's, more, it's less of a title and more of a job description. 
And look, every Christian needs to spend their life ultimately serving the Lord. Uh, look, Paul said this, where have I, Paul, made a minister? And the truth of the matter is, all of us can put our name where Paul's name is there. Where have I, Eric, am made a minister? You and I have been given an opportunity and a responsibility to be serving the Lord. We're all part of the Lord's army. Um, I was at Taco Bell uh, on Cinco de Mayo. Some of you ladies went to a Mexican restaurant. I went to a Mexican restaurant too. I went to the bell, the Taco Bell. Um, Got me a chili cheese burrito. Come on. And uh, anyway, I was at the register and... um, I had ordered my food and I was trying to, to pay there and 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 she looked at me and she said, "Do you do you have any discounts? Um, do you do you need a senior discount or a military discount?" And I and I I kind of shook my head to both of those and I said, "No, but I am in the Lord's army." And then she went, "I'll give you the senior discount." It's <laughs> like. Okay. <laughs> it's like, that's not exactly what I had in mind, but okay. Um, I guess I'll take it. But, but here, here's, the, here's the truth. I'm in the Lord's army, but I'm not the only one in the Lord's army. If, if you're saved this evening, you too are in the Lord's army. And you can try to get that discount too. And don't be sad if they give you the senior discount. That's, that's actually not the first time I've ever gotten a senior discount. <laughs> like, what is happening? Um, don't laugh. Don't laugh. That's not, it's not funny. It really is not funny. But, uh, okay. If you are a believer, you are also in the Lord's army. You and I have been called to serve the King of Kings. And what a privilege it is to serve him, isn't it? I mean, we get to represent the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. It's not, you know, I, I do re- respect all those who have served in the military here in our church. And, and uh, you know, you're serving our country, which is a great, um, a great cause to fight for our freedom, yes, and to serve our community and to be submissive to the commander-in-chief, no matter who it is. Sometimes you like the commander-in-chief, and uh, who holds that title, and sometimes uh, not as much, okay? Uh, but here we get to serve our commander-in-chief, and guess what? He's beyond what anybody, I mean, he's the best that we could ever imagine. And we get to serve him, and he never fails us. He's never going to leave us uh, hanging, and I'm thankful for that. So find a place to serve the Lord and to be serving the Lord. Find a place to serve us here at Cornerstone. God has a job for every part of His family. What's your part? There's a function for every part of our body. Um, and uh, I asked the question in our Sunday school class a couple weeks ago about um, how many have had their appendix taken out. And I was expecting several hands to go up. Not a single hand went up. Uh, we all have our appendixes, and we all are very thankful we have our appendixes. You say, what does an appendix do? I don't know. But I also know that God didn't put it in there because for no reason. 
there's a reason for that appendix. We just don't know exactly what all it does. And, uh, and, I, and I realize there's some, there's some needs for it to be removed, and I'm thankful for some of that. But uh, as long as I can, I'd like to leave that in there. God put it there, and I'm, I'm kind of happy with it being there. <laughs> now, if it stops, if, it, it's, if it's like, okay, this append, appendix stays and you die, or you take it out and you live, well, I think that that's a pretty clear decision there. But, but here's the deal. Look, every part of my body has a function, and every part of this local body has a function. What's your part? If you're not doing your part, uh, like if my, if my mouth decided to stop functioning, and uh, that would be a problem. You'd be like, actually, that'd be a blessing right now, because then we get to go home. Uh, but imagine if my, if my mouth stopped working and, and, and being able to uh, function properly. Well, I wouldn't be able to eat. I wouldn't be able to drink. I, it, it would be a bad thing. And so here's the deal. What's, what's your part and what's your function in this body? Find it and fulfill it with joy. A need seen is a task given. If you see something that needs to be done in the church, consider it your ministry. Many people come to me often, and not often, but once in a while and say, you know, we should do this and we should do that in our church. And I, and I go, well, wonderful. Uh, like, like I need more on my plate, you know. And so I often turn this around and say, great idea, and I think you'd be perfect for the job. <laughs> so be careful about coming to me about I have ministry ideas because then it may become your ministry. Um, uh, I just want to remind us, though, one, only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. So let's be serving the Lord. So as we learn who Christ is and what He's done for us, uh, let's, um, let's be steadfast in the faith. This propels us and motivates us to be steadfast in the faith, and to be spreading the gospel, and to be serving the Lord. The song we sang before the message tonight was written by Isaac Watts. And it's page 130 in our hymnal, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Again, when I consider what He did for me, when you consider what He did for you, it should propel us and motivate us to some things. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. See from His head, His hands, His feet. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. But love so amazing, so divine, it, it demands my soul, my life, my all. It demands that I would be faithful, that I would be steadfast in the faith. It demands that I would be spreading the gospel. It demands that I would be serving the Lord with my life. And so our response to Jesus tonight, I hope that you will make the same response that Paul here is encouraging us to make here. To be steadfast in the faith, to be spreading the gospel, and to be serving the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for your love for us. Thank you for who you are. And thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us and sacrificing all that you did on the cross of Calvary for us. Lord, how could we not be faithful then? How could we not be steadfast in the faith? How could we then not want to spread the gospel? How could we not then want to serve the Lord with our lives? Lord, I realize that not everybody is in full-time ministry. 
Lord, to a point, all of us are in full-time ministry. We're to be full-time servants of the Lord. And so, Lord, I pray you'd help us to realize that and to respond out of obedience and out of love for you to that end. We pray these things in Christ's name.